Throughout this series of Sober Sips, we are staying spirited with lyres, which I'm so excited about. It's what I personally drink on a weekly basis. They have an amazing range of 13 crafted non-alcoholic spirits, so you can make all of your favourite cocktails, but alcohol-free, and it really does give you the freedom to drink your drink your way. My personal favourite is making a liar's dry martini. If you want to find out more, head to www.liars.co.uk and use my special discount code THIRSTY20 to get 20% off. Welcome to the first episode of Sober Sips. I'm your host, Emily Cyphers, founder of Sober Community, Sober and Social. On Sober Sips, I will talk to inspirational and influential people to find out about their drinking journeys. This podcast will motivate you whether you want to stay on track or get on track, whilst giving you story and substance. I will be talking to guests at all stages of their journey to offer different insights and perspectives from their struggles to successes. We are inclusive to everyone, whether you are sober full-time, some of the time, or you just want to listen for a good time. Sober Sips is your weekly quick fix. Our first guest is the legendary DJ Fat Tony. In the late 80s, he was the toast of the London club scene, having DJed for big names from Prince, Madonna and Michael Jackson. At the peak of his career, he nearly lost it all with his descent into drug and alcohol addiction. After 28 years of abusing alcohol and drugs and six months in rehab, he embarked on a life of sobriety. Experiencing somewhat of a rebirth and with his passion for music, he became once again notorious on the global music scene. We discussed the beginning of his drinking, the early days of sobriety, sober socialising, mental health and how he is coping with isolation. Let's dive straight in. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you coping? Yeah, I mean, I am surviving, not thriving, um, but we are getting there. And I'm obviously launching a podcast, which you are now my first guest. Um, so I just wanted to open with, and I kind of wanted to take you back to your um, first sip of alcohol, or your first taste of alcohol. Uh-huh. And do you remember that experience? And was it an enjoyable one? Uh, I think, yeah, I could totally remember it. I mean, the first time I drank alcohol was I had an alcoholic auntie called Jenny, and she used to come and sit on the grass hills by where we lived in that. We lived, we grew up in Battersea, and by Lavender Hill, they had these grass, little grass hills, and she would come and sit in there drinking all day, drinking Woodbaker cider. And I was completely obsessed by her, her energy. I was drawn to the illness straight away. You know, uh, and I would go and sit with her and I would always like, oh, let me have a sip, let me have a sip. And she would like pass the bottle to us. Uh, you know, only she, I mean, she wasn't trying to get us drunk, but she, you know, we would take it off of her and drink the dregs out of the bottle, which wasn't much, I can assure you, her being an alcoholic. But, you know, that was kind of like the first taste for it. And I kind of loved it. I was always drawn to that, the insanity. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, but growing up with my father, who was a binge drinker at weekends and an alcoholic in that sense. And there was always chaos. So I was never, I never found it exciting at home. I found it exciting outside of the home. 
And how old were you when you first had that? Oh, I'd say about 12. And then from that time, obviously, from it being quite destructive at home, would you then see alcohol as an escapism, would you say, from what was going on at home? Or was it something that was actually quite fun? For me, I always thought, I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to be like my dad. I'm ne I'm, I don't want to be that type of person. And you know, of course, what, through the process of, of events that happen in your life as a kid, you know, whether it be abuse or there, there be outside interference or whatever happens, I was inevitable I was going to be I was going to start drinking I got kicked out of school at 14 and went to work in the, in the great gear market in King's Road and every evening everyone would go to the pub after work so it started off with just pints of snake bite which is like you know cider and a beer and a bit of blackcurrant and then of course then over the course of a few months I was the last to leave you know always the foot last into work in the mornings all of that scenario so it kind of happened really quickly you know, I didn't have a drink problem. I was having a good time. You know, in all honesty, for me, I never had a drink problem. I would always say that to people because it never ran out. Other drugs always ran out. Alcohol never ran out. And even right the way up to the 28 years that I was using and abusing drink and drugs, I really still never thought I had a drink problem until I stopped. Yeah, yeah until you had that time to reflect on it. And then at, at what point do you think that you were like, oh, I, I do have a, a drink problem? I mean, I would always be the first in the, in the shop at six o'clock in the morning to get alcohol when I was at home. If I'd been out, been partying or having people at my friends at my, at my house, I would leave my house and be at the first one at the, the shop that sold alcohol when it opened. You know, so even then I knew that was a kind of a problem, but I didn't see it as a problem because it was always having fun. Even in the darkest of days, it was still seen as having fun. I needed alcohol to level out my drugs. I needed alcohol to, so that I could carry on. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, it was the assistant to kind of your drug Oh, 100%. So you've, you've been sober for 13 years now, I believe, which is an yeah, amazing achievement. I'd say over, it's, uh, I was 13 years on the 7th of January, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, it's incredible. Before that moment, what were your last, kind of few years of using and drinking like for you they weren't like years of using they were years of survival I kind of think I hit rock bottom good 10 years before I finished drinking and taking drugs yeah. uh and 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 that last eight to ten years were really were a survival it was it was just it was hell you know I would go to work because I at that point still DJing and I would earn a lot of money and I would go missing for four or five days and then come home, try and get in the house. My partner would never let me in. And, you know, I would sleep rough and then the process would start again. And, you know, it really was survival. And, yeah, it was dark. It was really dark. It got, you know, when you think things can't get dark, any darker, and they do, <laughs> and then they get darker again and they get darker again. You know, I'm very blessed to be alive because of the situations that I put myself in were, were terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose at the time you can't really see them because your only, your only uh, next thing is to get more drugs regardless of what situation you're I, in or who you're with or how dangerous it is. Yeah, I think the last, the last like, couple of years of it was like, you know, I, 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 I knew I was going to die. I didn't know, I, I never ever knew I was going to get clean. Cause getting clean was not, was not an option for somebody like me. You know, I had a friend that I used to always party with uh, who was like, you, you lived in my house and everything and got website you know would get thrown out somewhere he would come with me and he would say all the time you know people like us don't go on holiday 
people like us are going to die early. People like us. And, you know, there was like a real comfort in that people like us side of thing. And you know what? It was true because I never ever thought that there was going to be a world beyond taking drugs. So stopping taking drugs was never going to happen because it would mean there would be nothing else to do. So that's why towards like the last year of my, of the, of my using, uh, all I ever thought about was dying. All I ever thought about was funeral, my funeral, um, and so on. It was, and there was never this moment where I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go on holiday next month <laughs> or any of that stuff. It wasn't like that. It was literally, I'd gone to the end of the road, waiting at the gate to either die or something, something really, really bad to happen to me. Well, instead, something really good happened to you because you obviously found that higher power that we that we all kind of mm. talk about and that higher self that, you know, when things become actually impossible, something somehow actually makes everything. They're gifts of God. They're like literally are God-given moments. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the night that I that changed my life was I was in a, in a club called The Cross and I was rocking backwards and forwards like I did psychotically in the back room on my own. And... My partner, then partner, at the time came in and he never came to that club. And, and I just looked and I thought, I can't deal with this tonight because I'd already been out for two or three nights. And, uh, and instead of him doing the usual look at his state, uh, he came over and, and come up to me and put his hand on my shoulder and looked at me and just said, what happened to you? And it always makes me want to cry because that was that, it was the, that God-given moment that changed my life. I looked at him. I couldn't answer the question. I started to cry. I left the club. And that was, that was the start of my journey. That was the moment that changed, my, changed everything. You know, mm-hmm. the ins and outs of why he came to that club and at that very, that very moment and got me at the right moment, I will never know. But, you know, it, it just changed everything because I suddenly had hope. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what you need in in the beginning, something that is more worthwhile than drinking or drug taking, essentially. I think, yeah. You know, I'd used every avenue and I'd abused every avenue. And and with with James at that point in time, you know, he didn't want me around anymore because, you know, I I mean, I destroyed his life. Mm -hmm. Anything you could humanly possibly do to a human being, I did to him because I wasn't doing it to him, I was doing it to myself and he was in the way of the destruction. So the fact that he came there at that point and did that and, and went on this journey with me, helped me get clean and he got clean. We both got clean together. I went away to treatment for six months uh, and came, came forward to London and, and forward to life. And uh, yeah, that was 13 years ago. But in the beginning stages of your sobriety, yeah. was, what did you struggle with the most? Oh, just being me. I struggled with who I was, what I wanted to be, who I, where I was going. I, I, you know, people say addiction and, you know, uh, alcoholism takes everything. You know, I mean, it literally took everything from me. I had nothing. I had nowhere to live. I, I literally had given everything I possibly could to that disease. And, you know, uh, I had to come back and start fresh and work out where I wanted to go because the old ways didn't work. So I had to find a whole new way of living my life. And luckily, I got straight into the 12-step program. I started doing these, you know, and found that new way of life through the rooms. The rooms gave me the structure. It gave me the direction. It gave me the positivity that I needed to find out who I was. 
and to start this journey. How many meetings do you still go to now? Uh, at the moment, we're obviously on lockdown, I'm doing two a day, every day. Um, and I'm taking, I take one every day on my own, I take at lunch times every day. But uh, yeah, I do two a day. Normally in the, in the real world, I'll do three to four meetings a week. If I don't, I go insane. It's not, yeah. I always share this, it's not, I'm never scared of using again. I'm scared of my behaviours. It won't be my, I don't need drinks, I don't need a drink or a drug to completely fuck up my life today. My behaviours will do that for me. You know, so I have to watch that stuff. I have to look at everything I do and how I treat myself is how I treat other people. So probably through 12-step programme, you're able to kind of build a sober kind of community and um, friendship. And I would yeah. imagine kind of 13 years ago when you did decide to go sober, I mean, I think now it's more prevalent of people, you know, doing sobriety and um, coming to that conclusion that that's the life they want to live. Um, but probably back then, not many of your friends were sober. I had one friend called Bruce who was sober. All the rest, you know, that the, 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 the people that I had around me at that point, at the last, at the last year of my using were people that you wouldn't piss on if they were on fire but you know what they're your yeah. people because as you go down the goodness goes and you're left with the sewage at the bottom and that sewage becomes your then you know they were my people and my people fled like rats up a drain pipe as soon as i got clean i was no use to them anymore the party was over so you know just learning about who i was first of all instead of who i wanted to be was really important because what happens is all the good people that you pushed away come back into your life. They come back into your life in so many different ways. Like God, your high power, whatever you want to call it, plans this stuff for you. You know, every one of my friends now, but from back in the day before my using, who I grew up with, all of, all of those people are now back in my life. But all of my friends, apart from the one who I spoke about earlier, Stratty, who was my friend that partied with me, he's, he's where I am. He's where I was 13 years ago now. He's got no teeth, he's completely fucked, he's homeless probably, but you know, he doesn't want to stop. And I can't intervene in his journey until he wants to come to me with his journey. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't help them unless they want to be helped. No, definitely. Well, if he does need to be helped, um, at least you've got tens of experience to obviously guide him in the right direction as and when that time might come. Yeah, I always, I always say some people need meetings and some people need beatings. And just kind of like, some people need a good old smack around the head and just say, right, do this. And other people need to go to meetings. You know, that's the way it is. Yeah, definitely. So socialising for you has always been a massive part of your life, kind of sober and, and not sober, really. But now, how has that changed for you since you have become sober? What, clubbing and partying? Yeah. My career... If you told me 13 years ago you stop your stop taking drugs, it's not the end, it's the beginning. I would have been like, oh, you fuck off, you don't know what you're on about. But, you know, it became the beginning. You know, my journey, my career, I've got better and better and better and better the more I put into it. It's like anything in life. The more you put in, the more you get out. And, and, and you know, my career, people go, oh, the last three years, your career's really gone through the roof. It's not been three years, it's been 13 years of hard work. <laughs> Of getting back who I am and working yeah. on that stuff. You know, I I had the realization that I'm not the party. I can help make the party, but I'm not the party. And I kind of think well, as soon as you get that realization, you're kind of on your way. Do you know what I mean? Because everyone likes to think, yeah, I'm this, I'm, you know, and it's it's not about that. My, you know, I love music. Music's the best drug 
and the biggest drug I've ever taken. And it really is. It has the power to change everything. And if you tap into that, you don't need drugs and you don't need alcohol. You know, it's like listening to your, when you're sad, you listen to your sad song. It makes you sadder. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because it has that thing of euphoric recall. And you take that recall and you channel that recall into making your life better. It's amazing. Um, so for me right now, music is everything. And my career just goes from strength to strength because I believe in who I am again. Mm-hmm. I never believed in that before. Before it was a way of means to, to get drugs and to carry on the party. And now it's not about that today. It's about loving what I do and loving who I am. Ego doesn't come into it. Ego comes from fear. It's not ego based. What it's about is actually a power within me that makes me think, okay, I'm all right with this. Okay, they don't, that person doesn't like me. I'm all right with that. I don't need to make that person like me. I don't need to do anything apart from be all right within myself. And that comes yeah. from working the steps. That comes from working a program. And learning to love yourself as well. At 13 years, I'm still learning to love myself. I have moments where I think, oh, you, you know, I can, my head will tell me, you're old, you're fat. You know, no one wants to talk to you. You know, like just, it will take me to those places. What it is, is about the self-care that stops that journey straight away and think, okay, you, you're not fat. You don't care. You're having a bad moment. And you see it for what it is. And you know what? The beauty of this program, it kicks in. Not straight away. We all have those thoughts. We all have those bad mornings. But it's a morning. It's not a week. Yeah. It's not a month. Yeah. It's not a year. It's right. a morning. Right. And you see it for what it is. And you think, okay, it's about turning, you know, why is this always about me? Why is this happening? You know, it's about turning why into how. It's really simple. Yeah. So instead of saying, why is this happening to me? How can I stop this happening to me? It's really simple and it's learning that stuff. And that comes from self-care. And you know what? It's amazing. You know, I'd say four or five hours a day, I'm, I'm all right with myself. Yeah, exactly. And I also think taking responsibility as well has been a massive thing for me. Actually taking responsibility for how I feel and my actions and knowing that the world isn't actually against me. It's up for me to provide solutions for myself and not expect them. Yeah, 100%. Responsibility is such a big word. And you know what? I've been, I've been insane in recovery. You know, I, I took my foot off the pedal. I didn't work. And that six years, I lost everything again. Not, I didn't pick up a drink or a drug. But what I did do, allow my behaviours to, to take over. And I was acting out in other areas that I needed to go to other fellowships for. And I lost everything at six years. And that's because I was all of the stuff that I was doing, I was responsible for. I couldn't blame it on drink or drugs anymore. You know, a sex addiction, all of this other stuff, you know, that was untreated because I'd allowed it to be a secret. And, you know, and it's only when you start to work through the process of that stuff, you know, that the responsibility gets smaller because you're not acting out in those areas anymore. She's like, oh, I'm responsible for that. Oh, I need to put my hand up to that. Oh, I need to own this one. Do you know what I mean? The more we work on ourselves, the, the, the less that word comes into play. I can wake up in a bad mood and start a row with my partner or have a bad phone conversation in, with someone to do with work or be in the queue at Waitrose and someone gets on my nerves. Do you get what I mean? And I start a big argument for it. I'm responsible for that. Do you get what I'm saying, But I'm not responsible for how I feel, but I'm responsible for not changing how I feel.
you know, at 13 years, I still go to those places at the flick of the switch. And also, I just wanted to touch on this quickly because I felt for me, um, when I was drinking, it really exacerbated my anxiety and my depression. And I want to touch on mental health because I think it's yeah. that um, men, A, talk about it more, um, but B, also in the music industry, I think it's quite prevalent. And I just want to know, what are your thoughts on your mental health and alcohol? Oh, they go hand in hand. I mean, listen, you know, you're drinking to change the way you feel. You're, you're drinking to stop the voices in your head. You're drinking. And then what happens is the depression that comes from, not, from drinking alcohol yeah, we, we drink because we're depressed. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. I mean, I, I, I'm involved in loads of different little charities and loads of different work groups and stuff like it when it comes to stuff. Because for me, I never thought I had, I suffered with mental health. I thought, oh no. And I went for an assessment to go to treatment, in fact. And the, the psychiatrist said, have you ever self-harmed? And I was like, no, why would I self-harm? And my partner was sitting next to me when you pulled all your teeth out with a screwdriver. <laughs> And I was like, that's not self-harming because we have different degrees and we judge out where we're at by other people where they're at. And you know what? It affects us all. Mental health affects us all. And, you know, it, it comes back to self-care. It comes back to, you know, if you, you find a lump on your body, you don't leave it. That's the insanity. Most addicts, we suffer with a thing called un, uncommon sense. You know, most people go, okay, I've got a lump, but let me call the doctor. Let me go and get that checked out. Oh, no, I'll leave that and see if that gets any bigger. Oh, no, I'll leave. Oh, yeah, it's got bigger. Oh, I'll leave it another week. I'll leave it another... That's uncommon sense because that's what we suffer with. Do you know what I mean? We put all of this stuff off and it's about making that uncommon sense common sense, you know, and, and it's our mental welfare of where we're at. You know, right now, it's really, you know, you can look at it as, as being like, okay, we're, we're all prisoners, you know, blah, 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 we can't go out. But, you know, we're stuck in our houses. We're not stuck in our houses. We're safe in our houses. We're safe in our, within where we're at. You know, it's how we look at things. And it's just about, I think if you feel that you've got depression or you feel that you're, some, you're obviously not doing something right. And I kind of just think it's about write a list of what your pros are and what your cons are of the day and, and narrow it down and change that stuff. Speak out, pick up the phone and say to someone, you know what, I'm having a really bad day. Because if you don't open your mouth, you don't get fed. Yes, definitely. I love that so much. Um, so let's talk about lockdown because we can't really be doing um, a podcast yeah. in isolation and not talk about it. Um, how has it changed how you're working and your social life? Well, I'm not working. <laughs> so basically, I you know, saw you did a DJ set the other day. Was it for Harvey Nichols? Yeah, I'm doing a... So basically what's happening is, uh, you know, I my work got cancelled right the way up to the end of the year, basically. I mean, this isn't going to go away. Everyone's thinking, oh, there's going to be a massive party when this is all over. If I hear that one more time, it's like I want to slap someone. <laughs> there's not going to be a massive party. We're not having DE day what's going to happen is it's going to go on and on and on people are going to lose so many loved ones so many loved ones right the last thing you're going to want to do is go out and party when this is mm -hmm. over but what is going to happen is it's going to be a gradual building so for me i kind of just had to work my program think okay i've lost all that work's gone it's i i i'm self-employed yeah. i have had a good couple of years i i i for the first time in my life, I, I saved money. I'm all right. I'm okay. It could be worse. There's people out there who have lost everything. And you know what? I don't have a fear around my career. My career is not going to go anywhere. 
Do you get what I mean? It's not like, oh my God, that's it. I've been sacked from my job. I, I need to start all over again. I don't. So, you know, I'm looking at this time as downtime for me. It's come at the right time. It's time for me to step back and sit down. But yeah, I had big brands coming to me. I did the evening standard the week before last uh, at home, that live from the garden. I, I did um, Harvey Nichols last week. I'm doing British Vogue the week after next. Next week, I had the biggest thing ever. I'm DJing live from my garden for Victoria Beckham's birthday party. And she's inviting the whole entire NHS to her birthday party, which is coming live from my garden. Um, so I'm live streaming from my garden to, to, to via her Instagram, which is 28 million people, uh, to join the party. So yeah, I am working, but at the same time, it's I'm doing. I'm not going on social media DJing every five minutes, to, you know, because no one's going to forget who I am. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's really nice just to step back. Yeah, and you can work with some amazing people and actually do some kind of really good things at this moment in time, as well as taking a step back for some self-reflection as well. So actually... 100%. Although it is, 100%. it's a very difficult time for the world, it can also be a gift to some people as well to have that breather from life. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm blessed. I, every time we've done a feed, the response has been insane. You know, we had like, we had 14,000 14, watching the other night for via the Harvey Nicks and our, our, our Instagrams. And, uh, you know, the, the response, the messages that we get afterwards. My neighbours, I thought they were going to hate us. They will love it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they will clap. And it's like, because we keep, we do it, we, we don't overdo it. It's an hour, an hour and a half done. And it's, you know, it's about lifting people's morales. And as I said before, it's, music's the biggest drug there is. It will lift you and take you and transport you to places that, you forgot about people that you forgot about people that are no longer with us you close your eyes those people are in that room with you and that's the beauty of music and i kind of think you know it's a real blessing to have be able to do that yeah definitely and it connects people in so many different ways and i think that's what we all need at the moment um 100%, so, but you hit the now and there it's about connection yeah exactly and i'm just interesting how are you staying connected how many zoom calls are you having a day <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I, I, I literally, this week I was like, no, I can't because my breathing's really bad because of, of the virus thing that I had. So oh, I cut back. But today I've probably already done four hours on Zoom. So it's like, you know, because I'm working with brands for things that are after this and uh, I'm doing a new TV show. I'm, there's so many things that we, I'm doing. So it all has to come through Zoom. So I'm kind of like, people just have to be a little bit patient right now because after this, I'll probably have to lay down for an hour because I've spoken so much because my breath's so short. I've not moaned once about it because, you know, as I said, I, my friend who I grew up with, she lost her mum yesterday and her sister's on life support. Um, so many people are losing people. I Listen, you know, I've got virus, I've got flu, I've got a bad chest. That's it. I'm not dying right now. And I'm blessed for the fact that I'm not dying. So you won't hear me moaning whatsoever. You know, yesterday I spent the day smiling because I didn't have a fever. And that's incredible. Just makes you realize what you have instead of what you haven't got again. It's gratitude, it all comes back down to gratitude. Yeah, 100%. And, and at the end of the day, when you do turn on the news and you do hear some friends and some family, like some people are in some awful situations. Um, and it's, you know, kind of being empathetic enough for them and to be there for those people, but also just grateful for where you are and that you're, you know, coming out of the other end of it, you're healthy um, and you've got your support networks around you. Yeah, 
and I, you know, my advice to everybody is in, during this time is be fucking nice. End of story. That's it. Yeah. If you can't do it. If you can't do anything for anyone else, just be nice to that person. It's, it takes nothing. I agree. Be nice and be kind. I mean, obviously, in isolation and out of isolation. Hundred percent. And also, there I've noticed a rise of people drinking during this period. Yeah. Drinking more, whether it's people that were sober that are now relapsing, and I do think it's a real, real struggle. What would your advice be to anyone that is struggling with their sobriety and isolation? Uh, my advice would be is to, to speak about it, open up about it. Don't make it a secret. Don't do it. Don't do it on your own. You know. A problem shared in all of that is, is, is so true. Literally, if you feel that you you have a moment of clarity where you think, I can't do that again last night, what I did last night, pick use that moment of clarity to make a phone call. Ring someone that you know are going to give you an honest opinion and just say, I can't do this. Don't be like, oh, yeah, wake up and think, okay, I can't do this in two hours, let it start again. Because that's what's going to happen. It's going to get worse. This is a progressive illness that always gets worse. It never gets better. and what that in a million years would make you even think that that would help this situation it's not going to help the situation it's going to make it worse take it from someone who knows it always gets worse it's never going to get better you know life gets better when you stop and right now we're, we've, we've been told to stop so you know it's just my advice is just ask for help always inbox me on instagram i'll, I'll come straight back to you Although now you've got, what, 100,000 followers, your uh, box is pretty small. <laughs> I don't know if you'll get back to people in the hour. I get back to everyone. Do you? Always. If you take the time to message me, I will get back to you. You know, my film, I did this film with Mixmag, and it had two and a half million views so far, right? And it's going up all the time. And the amount of people that inbox me every day saying, just watch your film. And I, you know what? I, I respond to every one of them because they've taken the time to, to, to write to me. And I always get, oh my God, I can't believe you replied. Why would you, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm at home doing nothing. Of course I'm going to bloody reply. Do you get what I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out later and slide into your DMs and see how long it takes for you to reply. <laughs> I guarantee I'll reply. You'll get a reply straight away. Okay, I'm going to do it later when I'm bored in my isolation. <laughs> and, and what is the first thing that you are going to do when we are out of lockdown? Uh, go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you know, it's a million and one things. As I say, we could sit here and say, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Life's going to change a hell of a lot more before it, before it gets better. And who knows? What, what's, what's around the corner with this? Do you get what I mean? Because right now everyone's thinking, oh, it's not affecting me. It's not affecting them. It's, 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 it's three people away from, do you get what I mean? It's like, oh, a friend of a friend knows someone that. But you know what, it's getting closer every day. And, and it's got, the impact of this is gonna be so, so big. So, you know, I just think that, I know one thing that I know for sure that I'll be doing after lockdown is, is keeping myself safe and loving it being more loving and more understanding to people and i won't be taking days days for granted i certainly won't be using uber again <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was using it like six seven times a day what the hell honestly well, just to get of milk, are you getting an uber <laughs> kind of almost like that i live in i live in central london i can walk from my house to soho 
in like 18 minutes. Not even that, through Green Park. But yeah, I still get a cab and a cab home. Okay, I'm going to bring you on to a quick fire round. Right, favourite sober sip? Uh, energy. It's like a, a fizzy drink made with Jaguar leaf. It's really good. It's it, it, that and uh, water. Okay, great. Very cheap. I like it. Favourite place to DJ? Hasn't happened yet. Okay, still got that to come. Most inspirational person you've ever met? Mary J. Blige. Best piece of advice or life mantra? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, and I feel like that's a great place to end for us here. Thank you thank so you. much for being my first ever Sober Sip guest. Um, thank you so much and have an amazing day. And you, God bless so much. Thank you. Thanks for having thank me. You. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to my first ever episode of Sober Sips. And thank you, Tony, for sharing your amazing story. My takeaways today for you are... No matter how far down the line you might be, it's never too late to change your life. You can party and live your life to the fullest without alcohol and drugs. And if you are struggling, reach out and talk to someone. If you enjoyed listening, please like, rate, review and share. If you would like to give me feedback, DM me directly on at sober underscore and underscore social on Instagram. And if you want to follow Tony's amazing account, please do so at DJ underscore Fat Tony underscore. We hope you look forward to tuning in next time and listening to another Sober Sip, your weekly quick fix.